Football News. Welcome to the Golden Black Radio pregame show as we get you set for Saturday's kickoff. Now here's your host, Kyle Charter. The Boilermakers will try to end the season on a high note if they can retain the bucket against Indiana on Saturday. It'll start off a big month for Ryan Walters and company. We'll break it all down on the Golden Black Radio pregame podcast. Kyle Charter's here with Tom Deanhart and Alan Carpet. Tom Bucket Week is here. The Boilermakers will take on the Hoosiers in Ross Age Stadium. A noon kickoff and what should be a chilly Ross Aid Stadium. Uh, both these teams sort of playing for the same thing. A little bit of bragging rights here within the state. Neither one of them will advance uh, to the postseason. But certainly uh, the game has a lot of meaning for those guys that will be out there on the field and for a lot of other people as well. Uh, Purdue wants to try to end this first season in the Ryan Walters era on as positive a note as possible. Yeah, no doubt. And um, I don't know if you're a believer in off-season momentum, but maybe that would, this would give Purdue a little bit of that, I guess, mystical off-season momentum. And like you said, you want to get a nice positive taste exiting what's been a largely, I guess, I think disappointing season, Kyle. Three and eight overall, two and six in the Big Ten. It's been a real slugfest, real slog down the stretch here. And um yeah, you know, win the bucket, keep the bucket. And uh, then then the offseason begins, Kyle, and it's going to be a very interesting December. The portal opens December 4th through January 3rd. It's a 30-day period, Kyle. Last winter was a 45-day period, so it's just a 30-day window this year. We've already seen one boiler jump in the portal. Expect more and, and also expect the boilers to be very active as well, importing players to their roster here. Yeah, I mean, I guess portal season has started. Uh, T.J. Sheffield got us going here a little bit early. Uh, you know, the game will get played, obviously, on on Saturday. But all of that that's going on sort of around the game is going to be pretty important, as you allude to here over the next month. Yeah, you're right. And, um, you know, not, not to distract or, or, or detract from, from Sally's goings-ons, still going to be kind of interesting just to see if I guess the big storyline for that offense Kyle is going to be can run for 300 yards again yeah you know, what a run here right back to back 300 yard rushing games if they make it the hat trick that would be the first time since 1968 who's ever ran for 300 yards in three consecutive games and they're doing this largely without their their top offensive tackles which makes it all the more impressive or out, out elite receivers who can really stretch the field so yeah, uh, it's it's been an interesting formula, and uh, it'll be interesting to see if they can continue against an IU defense that's certainly had its issues. So uh, that'll be fun to watch. And then, uh, you know, Kyle, all, all signs point toward Hudson Card being on the field, Sally, which will be a big a big lift to that offense as well. So, again, um, they'd like to keep the bucket. You know that, and Kyle, the bucket series, thanks to Jeff Brahma, swung back to Purdue's favor. Uh, he won four or five games against IU. Of course, the 2020 game was canceled. The last IU win, Kyle Charters 2019 in Ross State Stadium in double overtime 44-41. to 41. So again, the boys would like to keep their, their foot on IU's neck for sure. You know, Purdue would benefit greatly from having Hudson Card back out there on the field. I mean, no slight to the other two guys who played in the loss last week to Northwestern. They're just underclassmen, less experienced uh, for sure, uh, Hudson Card has played a lot more, and you know he is the starter for a reason. But man, uh, his availability will be key. It would seem to Purdue being able to uh, retain the bucket. 
Yeah, I believe they have a rib injury that kept him out last week, sustained against Minnesota. And, yeah, there's no doubt. You know, Ryan Brown, you know, Bennett Meredith had their moments. I thought Brown had a little bit of a better edge under center of the two Boilermaker quarterbacks last week at Northwestern. Um, but, obviously, neither has the, the experience uh, or overall skill set of, of Hudson Card. So, yeah, having him back will be a huge boon, um, not just as a passer, but also as a runner. He's he's proven to be pretty nifty with his feet here on design runs and just extending plays. So, um, yeah, you know, uh, it's been, I'm sure, an interesting debut for, for Hudson Card. Uh, he's got a chance to play a lot of football and sort of get adapted to the Big Ten football as well. Nick Scorton probably – makes a return as well. At least it's trending that direction this week, it feels. Yeah, I think uh, Coach uh, Walter sort of alluded that oh, number five should be back on the field. Believed he had a concussion that kept him out last week. Cordy Sidner stepped in, Kyle, did a really good job. He had a couple of sacks, a couple of TFLs, but he's not Nick Scorton. So, yeah, Scorton, Kaiden Jenkins will be there to try to terrorize that, uh, that, that Indiana defense or that Indiana offense, I should say. You know, this Indiana team uh, has had its issues this season as well. I, I think it's strange that the Hoosiers played well defensively. It, it felt like at least early in the season, and the offense wasn't there. It has flipped in the second half of the year, hasn't it, where it seems like uh, that Tom Allen's offense has has found at least some semblance of consistency, but the defense just has gone south, south in a hurry. Uh, so Indiana just, you know, clearly has not been able to put it all together uh, this season, a reason why the Hoosiers are 3-8 and eight as well. Yeah, they got a pretty good linebacker in Aaron Casey, but, yeah, the secondary has really struggled. They should have beaten Michigan State last week. They allowed the old Boilermaker Malik Carr. Uh, didn't tackle Malik Carr, didn't cover him very well. He scored a touchdown with less than two minutes to go that won that game for the Spartans. Uh, they haven't had a nice win at Wisconsin this year. And they played Penn State pretty tough as well. So they've had some some near near wins here uh, coming down the stretch. But you're right. Um been a tough year for IU and uh and you know, Tom Allen, there's always some talk about him maybe being on a hot seat, Kyle, but he's believed to be safe. I think his buyout's upwards of twenty million dollars. And it doesn't appear IU's got much interest in writing that type of a check. Uh, to get rid of Tom Allen, so he he probably will be back next year. That that that'll be the real year where he's he's make or break his buyout. I think goes down to eight million dollars. So, uh, yeah, but you know he's a coach too. You know, uh, he'd love to try to get this get get this thing right and at least finish the year with the win, just like Purdue would. Yeah, certainly so, and that will make it a competitive, I would imagine, uh, game on Saturday afternoon in Ross Age Stadium. Okay, let's take a break. Get a weather update. We'll bring in Alan Karpik, talk to him about uh, this game and much more as well. We'll do all that on Golden Black Radio. Hello from News 18. I'm Storm Team 18 meteorologist David Seipel. The Boilermakers are taking on Indiana with a kickoff time around noon at ross Stadium here in West Lafayette. Early morning tailgaters should prepare for a cold and frosty morning. Temperatures around 7 to 9 a.m. will be in the mid to upper 20s with wind chill values in the teens at times. By kickoff, temperatures will be around 37, with partly to mostly sunny skies and wind chill values in the lower 30s. Winds will be out of the east-southeast at around 5 to 8 miles per hour. By 3 o'clock, high temperatures should reach around 41 with sunny skies. 
Temperatures then fall quickly going into the evening hours back into the upper 30s by 5 o'clock. Overall, the weather should cooperate for the game. However, be prepared to dress warm and wear multiple layers. From News 18, I'm Storm Team 18 meteorologist David Seipel. Boiler up, hammer down. Designing and building since 1968, TNW has changed the way people think about construction. TNW's three-stage approach to designing and building is unmatched throughout the construction industry. Learn more about TNW's people, passion, and projects at TWDesignBuild.com. Experience unparalleled comfort, service, and cuisine at the Whitaker Inn. This Midwestern oasis is perfect for a relaxing staycation or weekend getaway. Escape from the ordinary at the Whitaker Inn. It's time to break it down as we go in-depth about Purdue's opponent. All right, pleased to be joined by Dylan Sin, who covers many things for the Fort Wayne Journal Gazette, among them Indiana Hoosiers. And, of course, IU's coming to West Lafayette this week. Saturday, high noon Eastern time kickoff, the old oaken bucket battle. Dylan, thank you for stopping by. Let's just jump right in and kind of give, uh, give Purdue fans a sense of what they can expect to see from that Indiana offense. I mean, obviously, it's been uh, kind of an up-and-down season for the offense. They fired their offensive coordinator, Walt Bell, in the middle of the season. Rod Carey kind of has it working a little bit better than it was under Bell, quite frankly. Quarterback Brendan Soresby has really taken control of that position after kind of going back and forth with David Jackson earlier in the year. And so he's he's kind of a dual-threat guy. He can really he can move with his legs. He's more of a power runner than a finesse guy. He will uh, bowl over you. Uh, I use trying to get him to learn to slide, but... Um, their running game has really come along here in the last couple of weeks. Josh Henderson and Trent Howland are a really good one-two punch for the Hoosiers out of the backfield. And the receiver core is actually one of the better groups uh, in the Big Ten. Um, the Donovan McCauley, uh, the former quarterback who converted to receiver a couple of years ago, has become uh, basically a star outside for the Hoosiers. Just a really good go-up-and-get-it type guy so if you can throw it to him and he's going to out jump a lot of defensive backs, um, and uh, and then you obviously have EJ Williams, the transfer from Clemson, who has played very well. In addition to that, so the passing game is working for IU right now. The running game has gotten better. The offensive line has also improved significantly from last year. Uh, new offensive line coach Bob Bostad um, has been kind of a revelation this year. IU has gone from having one of the worst offensive lines in Power Five football to uh, about average, which is a significant leap. Um, and they played, it's again been up and down, but much better toward the end of the season. So the IU offense has not been spectacular this year, but it's been significantly better lately. All right, Dylan, defensively, that's Tom Allen's bailiwick. Sort of give us a sense of what to expect from that, that IU defense on Saturday. Well, that's a little bit more difficult because I, you, you, we, everyone thought they had a beat on IU's defense kind of in the middle of the season, thought it was a very solid group. Linebacker Aaron Casey is one of the best in the Big Ten. I think he led the, led the Big Ten in tackles for loss heading into Saturday's game against Michigan State. Um, but for the last couple of weeks, Indiana's defense has really struggled in uh, the passing game. Um, the secondary was, quite frankly, very bad uh, against Illinois. I don't think Tom Allen would disagree with me on that. He said that it kind of let the team down, um, and, and there was some mis- miscommunications and things like that. Um, and, and so there are guys in the secondary who have played well this year. Philip Dunham, Lewis Moore, Josh Singletary, guys like that have played well 
at times this season, but right now they're just getting beaten too often um, in the passing game, and so that's going to be uh, a question mark in this game. Can Purdue, uh, especially if, if uh, Hudson Card is, is playing, can they attack Indiana down the field? And I think they, they will be able to. Um, up front, Indiana is pretty strong. Uh, Andre Carter... Uh, the defensive end transfer from Western Michigan has been very, very good this year. They like to bring the linebackers, especially Casey, on the blitz. He's really good at coming up and run support. Um, and, and so that'll be uh, a, a challenge for Purdue's offensive line pretty significantly. Philip Bloody in the middle of defensive tackle is kind of big, kind of Cole Brevard-style people, people eater, basically. And so um, Indiana defense has been good for most of the season and has been kind of rough the last couple of weeks. Okay, Dylan, I think Purdue opened up as about a three-point favorite, which is just basically home field advantage. How do you see this thing unfolding on Saturday? Yeah, I, I think that's pretty much where I am. Is I don't think either of these teams has a huge advantage over the other one right now. I think, especially recently, both of them, quite frankly, have played pretty well and have kind of found ways to lose um, games that I think they should have won, especially the last couple of weeks. So. I would I would give Purdue the advantage based on it being home, although obviously a lot of that depends on whether Hudson Card is able to play, whether uh, Nick Scorton is able to play. So um, I, I think that Purdue can attack Indiana on uh, in the run game a little bit. Indiana's been okay against the run, but uh, Purdue is really running it well right now. And I think if they can if they can run the ball a little bit, they're going to open up play action passes down the field because Indiana is really struggling uh, in that area. So. I do think that Purdue can move the ball, and I would expect them to win this game by by one score. I think Purdue will win. Should be close, Dylan. Both teams are obviously desperate for some success. Not going anywhere in the postseason, so being able to take home the bucket will at least be uh, some semblance of a prize. We appreciate you uh, giving us some of your time, Dylan. Absolutely. I'm glad to do it. On the far end of Main Street in downtown Lafayette, you'll find East End Grill, Industrial and classic, the restaurant is built like a steakhouse but handles like a bistro. Easton Grill's menu includes creative starters, simple chopped salads, burgers, fresh fish, and steaks, and the signature shrimp and grits. The staff prepares every item from scratch and emphasizes simple meals that incorporate fresh, local, and seasonal ingredients. A warm and inviting dining room features a cozy bar that includes a great selection of craft beer, inspired cocktails, and a robust and expanding wine list. Whatever your entertainment needs are, a cocktail at the bar, dinner with family, or a special event in the private dining room, the energized and attentive staff is here for you. Eastern Grill in downtown Lafayette, welcome to our table. When it comes to land sales, it pays to have experts in your corner. Acre Pro Midwest Farm Group is your local farmland specialist. With decades of experience in Indiana agriculture, no one knows the market better. Whether you're doing a 1031 exchange or simply buying and selling farmland, your local AcrePro agent will walk the land with you and ensure the deal is done right. Visit AcrePro.com or call 765-775-6502 and talk to your local land expert today. Again, 765-775-6502. At Purdue Federal Credit Union, it's about a relationship. A relationship that goes where you go, wherever you are in life. A relationship that's committed to free financial wellness resources, lower fees, and innovative digital banking solutions. Because we believe in people helping people. Let's build your financial future together. Purdue Federal Credit Union, your trusted financial partner for life. Federally insured by NCUA. This is the Golden Black Radio pregame show, the most in-depth guide to Saturday's game you'll find. Featuring the staff of Golden Black. 
Let's bring in Alan Karpik to get his perspective on the Boilermakers as Purdue gets set for this season finale. Uh, the game certainly matters, uh, Alan. It matters for a lot of reasons. Um, but, man, uh, these next 30 days are going to be uh, pretty wild, it seems like. You know, not just the game, obviously, but then, you know, the transfer portal in terms of who's coming, who's going, high school recruiting, which – whether good or bad sort of takes a backseat to all of that. Um, but it's going to be an interesting next month because, uh, you know, already we've seen TJ Sheffield decide uh, a couple days before what was to be his final game at Purdue, I guess, uh, if he was going to transfer after the season uh, to, to do it now. But that's probably a precursor to some other players leaving, but certainly a precursor to some other players arriving. It's going to be an interesting uh, next few weeks to see how all that shakes out. Yeah, I, I can't for the life of me understand what TJ Sheffield's doing. And now that doesn't mean I don't know the whole story. There may be something a lot more to it. I, I don't know. But boy, it seems to be an interesting choice of timing. Uh, you know, just because you got to, you, you do have a game to play here this weekend and against Indiana, your rival, and a game that, like you said, is very important. Uh, Purdue needs to to win another game. I think that would be important. I know momentum may not mean anything anymore in, in today's college football world, but it does mean something on the recruiting trail, on the transfer portal world. All, all those kinds of things matter. And and you know the other thing, you know, they had another decommitment this week, and and that's going to happen. I know that, but you know, being able to keep that recruiting class. So you're right; it's secondary to some extent. But Purdue's got a highly ranked class for Purdue. And uh, you want to keep that intact because yeah. you need that positive vibe. And I think that, uh, and then the, the portal, gosh, nobody knows what you're going to get, but uh, it's really, it's if I were Ryan Walters and his staff, uh, you, you're just, you got to be uh, nimble at all times from, like you said, from the second that game is over on Saturday, it'll be about three 30 in the afternoon, all the way through uh, when the portal opens, uh, which is what December 4th. Uh, it, and then through National Signing Day, which is, you know, in December, December 20th or whatever date that is. So, yeah, tough, tough time for, for Ryan Walters uh, and, and a lot of coaches, a lot of places. Well, and, you know, in this changing world of college football, you, you don't want to be a program that's being poached from. Like, right? I mean, you've just right. got to be but, able to you've got to be able to avoid that and it's going to happen it's going to happen to almost everywhere it's going to happen to some extent uh but when you're a team that that might finish four and eight um you run the danger of of somebody else coming and poaching some of your better players uh poaching maybe is not the right word uh no, i think it is the right word but, <laughs> it's what's happening but, yeah yeah I mean, all that yeah so i mean that's a challenge it's a it's, it, a, it is. it's a big challenge yeah. It is because you, you're right. You you want to believe, and there's we know that there's a pecking order in the league, and the, the two biggest ones are playing on playing, and we're going to talk about that later in the show. At Ohio State and Michigan play. I mean, it's, and it's everybody else. And I mean, there's there's you know Penn State certainly at, at a higher level, but my point is is that yeah, you want to avoid that. I think it's going to happen, and I think that's where it's really going to open the eyes uh, to folks uh, when that happens more and more win a, a top player. You know, let's say Rondale Moore had it, or David Bell would have been a good example. He you know, almost went to Penn State, 
had he left, and again, it was a different time. The, you know, the portals even opened up even more since David played. But, but had he gone to say, hey, I'm going I'm to go to Penn State and play the rest of my, you know, that's going to wake people up. Uh, and yet I don't know what you do about it. I think there's going to be some of that happening without question. And it's not going to sit well with a lot of fans. Yeah. I mean, there's just no doubt about it. And I, you know, not to talk too much about basketball, but I, you know, Purdue basketball has not had that to a large extent happen. It will at one point, uh, unfortunately, where you lose somebody that you don't want to lose. <laughs> it just, right. it's, it's inevitable, whether it be basketball or football or whether you do everything right uh, to try to keep the players that you want to keep. At some point, you're going to lose somebody that you don't want to lose. Um, and in this sort of uh, day and age in, in college athletics. Yeah, and the Ryan Walters, you know, can only hope that he can have, build the culture that Matt Painter's built, not yeah. just and the winning, and and that matters. But you're right, they there they'll there'll be a day when some. I mean, even when Matt Harms left a couple of years ago, again, it, it, you, we aren't here to talk basketball, but we are talking about in a yeah. situation where that surprised you a little bit. But he was a grad transfer, like T.J. Sheffield is. Um, uh, but sometimes you just have to wonder why. <laughs> and yeah. and that's what Ryan Walters and staff is going to have to do is he's going to have to keep his A players here as best he can. And it's going to take some effort to do it. Yeah. Got to keep the A players here and, and pull in uh, more if you can uh, to, try to, uh, to try to make uh, improvements in as many areas as you can, as quickly as you, as you possibly can, because the big 10 is changing and uh, <laughs> it's going to change quick. It's going to become more athletic and faster and, and bigger and and all of that. You don't want to be uh don't want to be left behind. Certainly. Look at the look who's playing for the college football playoff. Oregon and Washington. What league are they going to be in next year? Yeah. <laughs> I mean, it's just, it's all about that. So yes, absolutely. It's uh, going to be a challenging time for Purdue and other teams that are that are uh, in the mid to lower range of the league. It's going to be a huge challenge just to to maintain a a high level of uh, competency in the league. Let's take a quick break. We'll bring Alan back. We'll talk some Big Ten football. We'll do that here in just a moment on Golden Black Radio. Designing and building since 1968, TNW has changed the way people think about construction. TNW's three stage approach to designing and building is unmatched throughout the construction industry. Learn more about TNW's people, passion, and projects at TWDesignBuild.com. Experience unparalleled comfort, service, and cuisine at the Whitaker Inn. This Midwestern oasis is perfect for a relaxing staycation or weekend getaway. Escape from the ordinary at the Whitaker Inn. What else is going on around the league? Let's take a look. It's the Big Ten Roundup. All right, Alan, let's hit the Big Ten Roundup. We'll actually talk about the four games that are not Purdue-Indiana that are taking place on Saturday. There are two Friday games this year in the Big Ten. Uh, The typical Iowa-Nebraska game that has been played on Fridays and Penn State and Michigan State actually playing in Ford Field on Friday night. But let's look at the the other four uh, that are in the Big Ten on Saturday, of course, excluding Purdue and Indiana. Uh, we'll save the big one for last, the game. Uh, 3.30 kickoff, Northwestern is at Illinois. Uh, Illinois is a five-and-a-half point favorite in this one. The Illini uh, still need another victory to get to bowl eligibility. Northwestern, what a story. Maybe one of the stories in the conference, I think, this year with everything that happened to the Wildcats. They get that victory last week against uh, Purdue to, to be bowl eligible. 
um, really remarkable that uh, that they were able to do that uh, and uh, get get to the postseason, considering all that happened. It has been remarkable, and and you, you know you look at what uh, David Brown's done, and the fact that he, I think we all pegged them at one. You know they were they were one in eleven last year, sports fans, yeah. and and uh, didn't really show a lot. Uh, not a new excitement coming back, but uh, unbelievable job. He's to me is the, I don't know. He's the hands down big 10 coach here. He ought to be in the conversation for national coach of the year, but uh, just been amazing. But how this game will play out. I don't know. Illinois has been funny at home. They've lost to Nebraska at home. Uh, they should have lost to Indiana at home, but came back and got that game done. I, I don't know. This is a you know, Illinois should have a lot of motivation to get get this win. Nebraska, yeah. excuse me, Northwestern is not a team that uh, is got uh, a lot of offensive firepower. You'd think that Illinois could put up enough to get the job done. I think they will, but I don't know. You know, Northwestern goes in and uh, seems to have a funny way of handling the business. They haven't been great away from home, but they were very good at Wisconsin a couple weeks ago. So uh, I, I, I'll hedge and say Illinois, but. Uh, I'm not. I'm not real confident in that pick at all. It feels like like everyone in the Big Ten is going to finish six and six. If Illinois wins <laughs> that game, uh, it'll be six and six. Northwestern will be six and six. There's another three thirty start. Minnesota and Wisconsin. If Minnesota wins that game, it'll be six and six. The Badgers will be six and six. Uh, in that one, Wisconsin is favored uh, by two and a half points. So again, another another game here in which. Uh, Minnesota, uh, the home team, is playing for a chance to get uh, to bowl eligibility against a Wisconsin team that, man, it's been it's been hit by injury a lot. I know this year, but it's been a a, a weird first season for Luke Fickle. But I thought it was important that they were able to get off the deck and win that game in overtime because yeah. against Northwestern, excuse me, Nebraska, um, and just important for the Fickle regime there because. You know, there's some questions about what they decide to do there. And, and again, it's so hard to evaluate. A little bit, Ryan Walters is a little bit in the same boat, but certainly Luke Fickle with the injuries they've had have been uh, pretty, pretty challenging. Um, gosh, and that, the, you know, that, that Minnesota, they don't like each other very much, Minnesota, Wisconsin. Uh, I haven't seen anything that I've liked out of Minnesota of late. Uh, and that's what gives me why I think Wisconsin's a two point favorite. But, yeah, Minnesota really needs that win to get to a bowl. And PJ Fleck, you know, you don't want to, you know, that row the boat uh, mantra can can lose its luster if uh, you have a have a really disappointing season and and lose to your rival. But uh, I, I like, I think I like Wisconsin in game. But who in the Big Ten West? I, uh, how can you pick any game almost? And I mean, they're all they're all three to two uh, in the eighth inning type games. <laughs> All that row of the boat, be elite stuff is is exciting when you win nine games. It's not as exciting when you're very pedestrian on offense and yeah. somehow are still five and six. Just mm, uh, doesn't do a lot for me. A three thirty kickoff, uh, Maryland and Rutgers uh, in Piscataway. Maryland is a one point favorite. One of these two teams will also finish the year uh, six and six. I think if it's Maryland that ends up doing that, it it becomes a bit of a disappointing year. Uh, Rutgers probably feels pretty good about itself, especially if it was able to get this victory at home and get the seven wins uh, on the season. I don't know what to make of, of Maryland. I mean, they, you know, um, they started off so great uh, to the season, finally got one a couple of weeks ago in sort of a 
uh, a weird game in Lincoln that they win 13 to 10. Then they play okay last <laughs> week, no loss uh, against Michigan, but you can't pull off uh, pull off the upset. Uh, you know, it, it feels to me that this is going to be a little bit of a disappointment unless Maryland can go get this win. I think with the quarterback that they have in Tulua, that he's you know a guy that can really, you know, came out hot and, and uh, that yeah, it would be disappointing if they end up six and six. They're both bowl eligible. They're going to play in some bowl, but you know, I don't know if Rutgers wants to make its way across uh, across it. It's crossed its way to the pinstripe bowl or wherever they end up going. And I haven't paid much attention to bowl projections. Because uh, <laughs> Purdue hasn't been in it, but uh, in the conversation very much. But my point is, is that yeah, this is again Rutgers and Greg Schiano has done a good job there. They have limitations of how good they can be, but they can be. You know, they can. And it's now that the divisions are wiped out, life can be a little bit better, maybe from that standpoint, and and you can find out uh, a little bit more of who you are. But uh, this would be an important game for them to be able to win, and they might get to get a little bit better. They would get a little bit better bowl, I would think. Um, though I know that the bowls at that level don't, you know, it's basically uh, the bowls uh, can say pick whoever they want, but I think it would at least give Rutgers a pretty good validation to that they've made some improvement and continue to make improvement. Okay, so the noon kickoff uh, on Saturday, the one that's not here in West Lafayette is Ohio State and Michigan, second-ranked Buckeyes, third-ranked uh, Wolverines. Both these teams are undefeated. Uh, we've been building up to this game, it seems, all season long. Michigan gets the home three points. Um, yeah, I mean, I, I guess that I like Michigan uh, in this one, but I could see it going either way. It'll be very interesting to see what happens from a national perspective to the loser of this game, whether they still do have a chance to get that fourth spot in the college football playoff. I think that's a murky picture there because there's so many other uh, teams yeah. really between, you know, three, four, five, probably all the way down to, eight. to eight, wherever Alabama is still sitting out there. Um, but as for the game itself, what do you think? Michigan, uh, 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 a close victor here in this one? You know, I, I've, for some reason, have been fixated on, on Ohio State uh, getting getting the job done there. And I don't yeah. know, not, nothing will be easy. I, I don't see a game like we've really seen the last two years where Michigan really stepped up and, and beat Ohio State pretty soundly. Of course, last year was really soundly in the second half, and all of a sudden they turned that game into a track meet. What is really interesting is both these teams have great defenses, and yet these games sometimes – uh, you know, I, I understand Ohio State's defense is, has evolved here in the last couple of years and has gotten gotten better and better. You know, is this still going to be a 35-31 type game, even with two teams with really good defenses? J.J. McCarthy has not been great. I guess Kyle McCord, everybody, Ohio State's quarterbacks kind of downplayed him. I just don't know why, why I'm seeing this in my crystal ball. Ohio State gets out of there alive, but uh, no good logic. Maybe a little bit the, the notion that – Jim Harbaugh, J.J. McCarthy, just some, some in the line of thinking that that that, that not having Harbaugh to look over the sidelines has bothered him some. Uh, I don't know, uh, but uh, he's got to be on the top of his game. He was last year in Columbus, and it made a huge difference in the Wolverines' victory. Yeah, maybe Ohio State just uh, has maybe a little bit more big play potential on offense. Yeah, maybe. Well, I think they're running Harrison too. Yeah, and, and Henderson's back and looks like he's what he was. And yeah. if that's the case, I, I, you know, Michigan is is even with Blake Corum and, and they 
they have not run the ball phenomenally well. I mean, they have a little bit better in the second half of the season. But when I, I just saw Purdue shut them down in that game uh, yeah. in relative terms, I just not sure they're going to be able to do that like they did last time. But they, but again, last year their formula was big plays, and maybe that's what. What well, again will be interesting is these are two monster defenses. Ohio State has has given up one play this entire year of over forty yards, and it was a trick play by Rutgers. One yeah. play. And uh, Purdue does one a quarter sometimes. So I mean, it's it's uh, but some, <laughs> something's gonna something's gonna break there, and I think that that's what's gonna make it interesting. There'll be one thing I will say, Kyle. There's gonna be a lot of people in Ross State Stadium with their mittens on, with their phone in front of them, uh, turn into YouTube TV or whatever they're watching uh, <laughs> yeah. to check that game out because it's gonna be a good one. That's the Big Ten Roundup. Let's go back in time with a historical look. Here's Alan Karthik. All right, Al, let's take a historical view at Purdue and Indiana. You know, these two teams have often had something on the line in the games, whether it be uh, that at least one of the teams has at least six victories is going to a bowl game or a team needed a six victory, which has happened a couple of times for Purdue under Jeff Brom early in his uh, tenure at Purdue. Uh, But last time that both teams didn't have anything on the line was back in 2014. Uh, they didn't either in Joe Tiller's last uh, game as Purdue's head coach in 2008. Both teams were three and eight. So this will be the third time uh, since that game in 2008 that these two teams are both uh, both three and eight headed in. Yeah, and the oddity of the 14 game was that uh, uh, you know Purdue went, played back to back games. Remember in Bloomington, 13 and 14. Uh, yeah. Who could ever forget uh, the, the Daryl Hazel times and Danny Etling throwing for in 2013? That is, but yes, 14 Indiana wins, 2008 Purdue under Joe Tiller in his last game. Curtis Painter has a huge day and Purdue puts what 62 on Indiana and a 62 to 10 uh, pasting, which cost uh, IU coach Billy Lynch his job. Uh, as well, and, and of course the swan song for Joe Tiller on a cold, gray uh, November day. Not as cold as it was uh, obviously when Purdue uh, clinched the Rose Bowl back in 2000, but it was a cold, gray day as I recall. We have some uh, anniversary games here, if you will, uh, this year. 60th anniversary, of course, of the assassination of uh, JFK. The Purdue-Indiana game uh, was delayed uh, back then. Uh, certainly there's been a lot of remembrance about uh, about that date in history here uh, this week. What can you tell me about its effect on the, the Purdue-Indiana game back then? Well, what was interesting is that Purdue was on, you know, and the tragedy was that day, um, you know, and, and, you know, the news came out around lunchtime in the central time zone or one o'clock, I guess it was. Purdue was on the train. If you can believe that <clears throat> taking the train from West Lafayette to to Bloomington and was in Greencastle and heard the news, turned around and came back home. I guess that the uh, the uh, both presidents, uh, President Hubby of Purdue University, you know, they made a pretty quick decision. Interestingly, uh, Michigan and Michigan and Michigan State both played at home and they did not cancel their games right away. They did end up canceling them that week. The NFL played that weekend and got a lot of criticism for that playing right through the the whole thing but yes Purdue and Indiana postponed that game for one week the Boilermakers made went traveled by bus 
a week later went down to beat Indiana 21 to 15 in a game that was marred by a bench clearing brawl, which wow. there were a lot of those in those days. It some, some reason down for games down in Bloomington. I can remember one in 63. I heard the one about 63, but also I do remember the one in 71 in Indiana victory where uh, the Purdue band got involved in, in a little, a little, a little brouhaha after Indiana 38, 35 win. All right, so 40 years ago, in a uh, maybe similar scenario to uh, the game this weekend, and that you know there was nothing, nothing to play for in terms of uh, you know season accolades or postseason or anything like that. Uh, Purdue won a, a, a close game back in 1983. Yes, and really one of those days, and there have been some of those days as you can recall. Remember going to Purdue Indiana games? It won't be that way Saturday, though. I think the weather is going to be okay. But a really nice November day down there, and of course, uh, Purdue wins that game 31 to 30. Uh, in a game that uh, uh, saw Rod Woodson as a true freshman uh, play and, and uh, Scott Campbell at quarterback. Purdue almost lost that lead and uh, got the job done. Sam White was yep. the head coach for one year, and IU wore those really crimson uniforms. They were really crimson and cream. They were crimson. <laughs> they were more cream than crimson. And uh, then he left for the Bengals, and uh, in came Bill Mallory after that for Indiana. But uh, that was a memorable one. And maybe also, I was going to throw in 1978, a big win for Purdue uh, at home uh, after Thanksgiving. Lee Corso, still coaching Purdue, gets the job done, and Mark Herman and has a nine win, ends up giving getting his way to a nine win season uh, and a real turnaround year for Jim Young and a 20 to seven win over Indiana. That's a historical view at Purdue and Indiana. Thanks, Al. All right. Thanks, Kyle. Back with more here in just a moment. This is Golden Black Radio. On the far end of Main Street in downtown Lafayette, you'll find East End Grill, industrial and classic. The restaurant is built like a steakhouse, but handles like a bistro. East End Grill's menu includes creative starters, simple chopped salads, burgers, fresh fish, and steaks, and the signature shrimp and grits. The staff prepares every item from scratch and emphasizes simple meals that incorporate fresh, local, and seasonal ingredients. A warm and inviting dining room features a cozy bar that includes a great selection of craft beer, inspired cocktails, and a robust and expanding wine list. Whatever your entertainment needs are, a cocktail at the bar, dinner with family, or a special event in the private dining room, the energized and attentive staff is here for you. Eastern Grill in downtown Lafayette, welcome to our table. When it comes to land sales, it pays to have experts in your corner. AcrePro Midwest Farm Group is your local farmland specialist. With decades of experience in Indiana agriculture, no one knows the market better. Whether you're doing a 1031 exchange or simply buying and selling farmland, your local AcrePro agent will walk the land with you and ensure the deal is done right. Visit AcrePro.com or call 765-775-6502 and talk to your local land expert today. Again, 765-775-6502. At Purdue Federal Credit Union, it's about a relationship. A relationship that goes where you go, wherever you are in life. A relationship that's committed to free financial wellness resources, lower fees, and innovative digital banking solutions. Because we believe in people helping people. Let's build your financial future together. Purdue Federal Credit Union, your trusted financial partner for life. Federally insured by NCUA. Broadcasting from Golden Black World Headquarters, north of Purdue's campus, this is the Golden Black Radio Pregame Show. All right, Tom, let's talk some matchups uh, in this contest uh, on Saturday. 
some things that the Boilermakers need to get done to to get a victory. Look, you mentioned running. Uh, I mean, it's been remarkable. Uh, Purdue's rushing attack. I mean, if you would have told me a few years ago that Purdue would have a chance to run three straight games of 300 more yards, I would have thought that was crazy. Uh, the fact that they've been able to do it with sort of a makeshift offensive line uh, is really rather remarkable and I guess speaks to the ability of those two running backs and Devin Mockaby and Tyrone Tracy Jr. They've just been so, so good. The quarterbacks have been able to run the ball a little bit as well. And against this Indiana defense that really has had some problems giving up big plays, especially in the second half of the season, one would imagine uh, that as long as the weather's good enough, and it should be, uh, that Purdue should be able to find some some yardage on the ground once again. Yeah, you'd think. Uh, Purdue's number four in the Big Ten in rushing, like 168 yards per game, Kyle. The last time they averaged over 160 yards rushing was back when you were covering the squad in 2012. That year, the leading rusher was Akeem Shavers. How about that for a deep cut for you? There you go. So uh, look at the stats in the Big Ten. I believe Tyrone Tracy is the Big Ten's leading rusher in Big Ten games only. Him and Mockaby are both averaging over five yards per carry in Big Ten action. So you're right. Those guys have been the bellwethers of this offense. Um, you know, really late last week, Tracy hurt his back uh, very late, uh, but he, he, he should be okay. I think Mockaby got dinged up with an ankle, but he should be okay. Last game of the year. You know, they're going to lay it all out there and want to finish on a high note. So, you know, if you're Purdue, why why steer clear of what's been good for you? Just keep handling the ball off for those guys. See if you can set up some play action passes, take some shots downfield. Didn't Purdue finish dead last in rushing offense like four years in a row? They, there was, I think it was under Brown. In Brown's first year, which is 17, I think they had a pretty good running attack still. And but then they really went downhill. You're right. Maybe in three or four years in a row, they were last in the Big Ten now, and as far as running the football. So this has been a real uh, anomaly for Purdue. And to think they're doing it, Kyle, with what's supposed to be a quote air raid based air raid based offense. Yeah, that's that you think will be built around the pass, but obviously the offense can adapt to whatever the strengths are, and certainly Graham Harrell's done that. For Indiana, Brendan Swordsby sort of given the Hoosiers a little bit of stability at quarterback, which. Uh, they were missing early in the season. But again, I mean, it seems the formula for Purdue defensively remains the same. Let those two edge rushers loose, the outside linebackers, and you know, see what they can do against uh, against the opponent. That has, that has worked, uh, at least to a certain extent, uh, during the Big Ten, and we'll see if it does again one last time here against IU. You're right. Yeah, Sorsby is going to run it. He, he, can, he can run it with his feet. And he's got he's got a couple of good targets. Donovan McCulley, uh, the guy who was a quarterback, the yeah. main receiver, and he's a big guy, six five. He's probably their alpha guy. He, he can go up and get it. So people will have to be mindful of him. They have a couple of good backs. They like I know a nice tandem. And the offensive line, Bob Bostad's their line coach, and he's done a real good job turning what was probably the Big Ten's worst O line into at least a respectable unit. And one other, one other item to note for Indiana, you know, during their bye week this this season, they actually fired their offensive coordinator, Walt Bell, yeah. promoted Rod Carey, who was an analyst. Rod Carey used to coach Northern Illinois, made Rod Carey the OC, and he's, he's provided a little bit of spark there. So Tom Allen was looking for something to do to really get this offense some 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 traction. And it's worked to a degree, but we'll see if they have any uh, any gas in their tank left here. 
they can outscore Purdue on Saturday. All right, Tom, what's your prediction? I got Boilers 31, Hoosiers 28. I think the line started up out as Purdue minus three. At last and liquid was Purdue minus two and a half. So I think the Boilers win and cover. Yeah, I, I've got Purdue winning this one as well. I think for my points total in Media Mania this week, I put 72. I just think Woo. that I think the game's going to be high scoring. I think when you get in a situation like this, sometimes, you know, colder weather, there's not a, you're not playing for bowl eligibility. Um, you know, I'm not one, I don't want to say the game doesn't have meaning, but maybe you let your foot off the gas a little bit. I think that can happen mm-hmm. defensively to some teams. I could see this thing turning into a little bit of a track meet. I'll, uh, I don't know if this adds up. It, it won't add up to 72. That's a little high, but uh, I'll take the Boilermakers uh, 35 to 32 in a shootout in, in Ross-Aid Stadium. Uh, but I just I, I feel like Purdue Purdue's just better off. I mean, if, as long as Hudson Card is out there, everything changes, in my opinion, if Card oh, yeah. is not on the field. Uh, but as long as he's out there, I just think that Purdue's going to be able to run up the score on an Indiana defense that just has not looked very good at all in the second half of the season. And if Purdue can do that, run the football a little bit, I think it puts points on the board and gives itself enough of a cushion to get a victory against Indiana. Yeah, I think you're right, my friend. No, Hudson Card is the difference maker on the field. If he's playing, I use, you know, Soresby is no match for him, and that definitely tips the scale in the favor of the Boilermakers. All right, thank you, Tom. Take care, buddy. That'll do it for our podcast for this week. A thanks to our sponsors. As always, if you do like the podcast, please rate us five stars on your favorite podcast app. Leave us a comment as well. All right, that'll do it for our show for Tom Deanhart and Alan Karpik. I'm Kyle Charters. Thanks for listening. This is Golden Black Radio. Hello, it is Ryan, and I was on a flight the other day playing one of my favorite social spin slot games on ChumbaCasino.com. I looked over the person sitting next to me, and you know what they were doing? They were also playing Chumba Casino. Coincidence? I think not. Everybody's loving having fun with it. Chumba Casino is home to hundreds of casino-style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere, even at 30,000 feet. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com to claim your free welcome bonus. That's ChumbaCasino.com and live the Chumba life. No purchase necessary. VGW. Void. we prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus.